Blog Talk Radio. This is a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier Basketball. LeBron watching with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle, on loads. Got it! I think he preferred a king to Indians baseball. One hand and belted to deep left. Away back, goal! To Browns football. Back in the pocket. Steps up, goes into the end zone. Up high, Salen Edwards up, got it, touchdown! This is the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Hello and welcome to the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. I'm Rick, I'm going to be your host, and joining me today from the side are going to be Rock and Craig. We're going to be talking a lot about the Cavs and how they're starting off their season, the big win yesterday, but we're going to start by going for the cycle. Going for the cycle. And to start with the cycle, let's kick it to Rock to talk about the Buckeyes. All right, uh, we've got Ohio State getting ready to take on Illinois in the battle for the Illibuck Trophy this weekend. Um, I think we know pretty much what's at stake here. Ohio State's fighting to keep their streak of uh, at least co-Big Ten championships alive. Um, we'll be watching to see if maybe Indiana can pull off a miracle upset and beat Penn State and give us a chance to keep our uh, our streak of consecutive outright Big Ten titles alive. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about recruiting um, and talk about what's going on as far as that's concerned. Um, there were a couple developments here in the last uh, week or two. Um, first off, one guy I talked about in our past podcast, Rashid Hegman, a uh, tight end prospect. Uh, he actually committed to Minnesota, so he will not be coming to Ohio State, which is a little bit of a blow. Ohio State needed a, to get a tight end, and uh, as of right now, they don't have one in this class. Um, they are still looking at a uh, three-star tight end recruit, um, Deion Sims, out of Orchard Lake, Michigan, but uh, I don't know how high Ohio State is on his list. They're going to have to really uh, turn up the, the, the cell on that one. Um, another development was Ohio State lost a recruit, um, Bradley McDougal, who was a uh, safety prospect out of Dublin, Scioto. He, um, I guess it was maybe what you would call a mutual parting of ways. Um, he's been injured all this year, or, or part of this year. He had a suspension. He uh, switched positions. Um, he's basically, he's had a rough year, and I don't know how much the suspension played a part in that, but, um, but he is no longer going to be a part of this class. Um, which will open up another spot. Um, as far as defensive backs are concerned, who's going to take his place? Um, you're looking at maybe a Mike Edwards, a four-star prospect out of uh, Cleveland Glenville. Uh, this is a guy who really wants to come to Ohio State, um, but Ohio State has not offered him yet. Um, but if Ohio State does offer him a scholarship, he'll take it in a heartbeat. He really wants to come to Ohio State and be a part of this class. So I would say that might be the most likely place they go. Um, a couple other recruits we're, we'll, we'll still be waiting for. We've got three five-star recruits that we've offered who are still considering Ohio State, and those are Marlon Brown, wide receiver out of Tennessee, Marcus Hall, uh, offensive lineman out of Glenville, and then Corey Adams, uh, defensive tackle out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, so those are three names you'll want to keep an eye on. I don't know how quickly any of those guys will make their commitments. They may all wait a while yet, but uh, those are the big names that we'll be watching. Um, I also wanted to talk about Ohio State basketball real quickly. Since uh, last night Ohio State played their first uh, their first basketball game, it was actually an exhibition game against Walsh, who is a, uh, a Division II NAIA team, and uh, Ohio State beat them 90 to 63. Uh, Evan Turner had 17 points. Um, if you're looking at the incoming freshman, 
uh, William Buford uh, had 17 points. B.J. Mullins, the uh, prize of this recruiting class, had 12 points and four rebounds in his debut. And uh, John Diebler picked up where he left off last year, going one for four from the field. So uh, no big change there. Um, as I said, that was just an exhibition game, though. You don't want to read too much into it. The first real game uh, comes next Thursday, the 20th, and that will be against Delaware State. So um, that's all I've got this week for Ohio State. And now to continue on with the cycle, let's send it to Craig for the Browns. All right. Well, I'm going to bring up my script here. I think I'm the only guy who actually reads these things. But uh, everyone is talking about quitting, so I'm going to talk about it too. First Jamal Lewis, then Josh Cribbs. This was followed up by Phil Savage and Romeo Cornell covering their butts by coming out and saying they didn't think anybody quit. I don't know about the rest of you, but the notion that any of these guys would ever quit just makes me ill. I know it happens in certain circumstances in the NFL. We all saw Randy Moss's career in Oakland, for example. Um, at the same time, it's deeply disturbing to think that anybody would have the balls to quit when there's so many fans out there spending money year in and year out to be disappointed. Even last year's, quote, success for the Browns didn't even result in a playoff appearance. But Cleveland fans in particular never seem to quit. When John Elway comes prancing into Cleveland Stadium, we don't quit. When Ernest Biner fumbles the ball away, we don't quit. When Art Modell steals this city's soul with the blessing of the NFL and under the auspices of the worst mayor since Dennis Kucinich, we don't quit. When the new regime drafts Tim Couch, we still don't quit. So to listen to players and Brown staff members walking, talking about how guys could have potentially quit during the last two games is enough to make me want to quit. If they don't care, why should we? Now, you all know that I'm not going to stop being a Browns fan, and I know the rest of you aren't either. Let's just hope that Randy Lerner doesn't take us all for granted forever. And now we'll go to Rick with the Indians. Hey, the big news for the Indians this week has obviously been the awards that have been handed out, uh, with Cliff Lee taking the Cy Young and Grady Sizemore with the Silver Slugger. We wanted to talk about a little bit about with some uh, hot stove baseball and some possible signings, some things that might happen. Uh, the big news is uh, Trevor Hoffman not going to return to San Diego, and with the Indians potentially looking for a closer, a lot of people have thought that Trevor Hoffman might be a nice fit in Cleveland. Um, the rumor that we hear now is that Detroit is also interested in Trevor Hoffman. That's according to the Detroit Free Press. And to be honest with you, if Detroit gets into the bidding war, I'm not so sure that the Indians are going to be able to land a Trevor Hoffman. Uh, plus, there are plenty of other teams out there that – uh, could use the the all-time leading saves leader. Uh, also, we should just go ahead and, and forget about CC Sabathia now. Let's go ahead and, and pack away our CC jerseys and all of our memorabilia. There's no way that CC is going to be coming back to Cleveland. Uh, the Yankees, in fact, have made it clear that they're not going to be outbid this winter on the free agents that they want. Uh, Steinbrenner apparently is going to open up the pocketbook and sign whatever players they feel they need to at whatever price going into that new stadium. Uh, the, new, the New York Post is tossing around a six-year, $150 million figure as a starting point uh, for the C.C. Sabathia negotiations, which is pretty much going to uh, disclude most teams from the discussion, including the Cleveland Indians. As we look at the rest of the Central and, and try and predict what might happen in this uh, offseason, the White Sox are looking at a roster overhaul. They've already said no thanks to Ken Griffey Jr., Joe Creedy, and Orlando Cabrera. And uh, 
recently traded Nick Swisher to New York for a couple of bags of donuts. Uh, the Tigers say that they're not interested in, mon- in adding to an already monstrous payroll, but then they turn around and, and express interest in Trevor Hoffman. Uh, they have serious pitching holes to fill, but you wonder how much money they're going to be able to spend with their payroll. And, of course, Minnesota and Kansas City will continue to be non-players in the free agent market and continue to uh, not really be uh, – anything to to talk about with the regard to trades as these winter meetings heat up so let's just hope that the indians can do something to keep uh keep some momentum going that they had at the end of the season possibly look for that third base position possibly look for another arm for the bullpen even if it's not uh, a stud closer that's established we, we need some help in that bullpen and so that'll do it for the uh the cycle today and now let's go for the main event For today's main event, we're going to be talking all about the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, of course, joining me is uh, Rock and Craig, and we're going to be talking specifically about uh, last night's win and the uh, the early season uh, that the, the Cavaliers are having, the offensive uh, output. And we're going to start things off with uh, let's talk about last night's win. And, uh, guys, go ahead. Feel free to jump in here anytime. What did you see last night that you liked, that uh, that you felt like the uh, the Cavs can really build on? Well, first well, of all, let me that, uh, 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 go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say, you know, this is our first time on Blog Talk Radio. I already see uh, a few of you guests here in the in the chat room, so I'll keep an eye on the chat room. If you have any questions or anything you want us to talk about, go ahead and bring it up. And, and if I see anything, uh, if you if you have a good enough question, I'll actually bring it up on the show. But uh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Rock. Uh, no problem. Um, I was just going to say, I think that uh, watching last night's game was really fascinating to me because I think it showed sort of the multiple styles that this team can play. And to me, that's one of the things that I've been most impressed with this team so far. They seem to be able to play any style that people are are trying to play against them. Um, You know, and that first half was just lightning quick, up-tempo. And, you know, both teams were just hitting their shots, and uh, the Cavaliers were hanging in there with them. That was not their style of basketball. That is not, you know, if they, when they're dictating the style of game, that's not the kind of game they want to play. But they were hanging in there. And then what you saw in the second half was um, they really focused on defense, and a couple things you'll notice was they moved Delante West onto Chauncey Billups, and that was pretty much the end of Chauncey Billups' night. You didn't see him uh, getting too much going after that. You saw LeBron uh, focusing on Carmelo Anthony, and he was hugely effective at that. And uh, it just really seemed to uh, slow down uh, Denver's attack, and I was really impressed with that, really happy to see them able to do that. And, you know, I mean, that's a huge win. I mean, again, Denver is a team. They've had Cleveland's number for the last few years, and uh, this was a tough uh, Western Conference op- uh, opponent, and it, it was a good win. It's a quality win for the Cavaliers, and I was happy to see it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the one thing that, that you said that, that I find interesting uh, you know, in regards to the Cavaliers being able to play different styles. The, the only thing that worries me about that is that it, it seems that we change our style to match our opponent every week, every game. You know, um, I think that what the Cavaliers and, and obviously they're still they're still kind of searching for what their their identity is going to be, um, other than defensive. We we know that they're going to be a defensive team this, despite the first half of last night's game. Um, but I, I think that that the players or the, the teams like the Celtics. Um, San Antonio's, they impose their style of play on other teams. 
Um, yes, it's good that we can play different styles and be able to, to, as you say, you know, keep up with other styles. But at some point, we're going to have to force our will on other teams. And I, I think they did a good job of that last night. You know, we had just an absolute slugfest uh, in that first half. Uh, what the, the the Nuggets scored? I think sixty sixty one points in the first half, which is just unheard of. I can't remember, you know, the last time the Cavs gave up those kind of points in in a single half, uh, you know, since uh, since they've they kind of focused on defense. But then they turn around in the second half and just absolutely shut them down. You know, and, and you're right, I, I like the change with uh, uh, putting uh, Delonte West onto Chauncey Bills. That did seem to take him out of his rhythm. Um, and, and to be honest with you, the Cavs, I don't know whether it was the Cavs really hitting the boards or the, the Nuggets uh, kind of were laying off the boards and hoping that their shots fell, but really that the rebounding was uh, was the big difference to me in that fourth quarter because uh, the, the Nuggets were getting one shot and they were done, and the Cavs were able to, uh, you know, to, to put a stop on them. Uh, so uh, that was that was really good. Um, but you know, after the game last night, uh, watching some of LeBron's uh, post-game comments, and LeBron was talking about how easy a win it was. He said he hardly had to make any effort in a win like that. Um, and you know, obviously, looking at the stat line, you see he only had 22 points, but he had you know 11 uh, 11 assists and, and eight rebounds. Um, scary. I think is the word that that might come to mind. If if that was an easy easy win for the Cavs, you know how good can this team be? Well, yeah, I think no doubt it it felt uh, it felt like an easy game for LeBron compared to you know what he's had to deal with at the beginning part of his career. Um, the the big thing for me right now with the with this team, and it's something that I've never done before. Um, I'm finally going to give a little bit of a credit to to Mike Brown. I mean. Early on this season, we saw some lineups that included Lorenzen Wright and Sasha Pavlovich and Wally Zerbiak all on the court at the same time. But after the first couple of games, he's really solidified his rotations. He's had good, um, good rotations playing together. Uh, he's done a really good job of making sure that either LeBron or, um, or Mo Williams is on the court at any time. Um, of course, he makes the halftime adjustments. He makes Chauncey Billups a non-factor by putting Delonte West on him. And, you know, by, by showing them their own tape of defense, you know, apparently he showed them the tape of their own first-half defense during halftime and said that's not good enough. And they came out, they, they gave up 61 in the first half. They only gave up 38 in the second half. So, you know, maybe, maybe Mike Brown is finally gaining some, uh, some momentum as a, as a coach. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I I think one of the biggest things, and you know, you you kind of talked about the rotations, and yeah, earlier in the year he was doing some you know curious things. I mean, but at the same time, he didn't know yet. I mean, he was putting some of these new guys in there just to see what they could do. You know, throw a Lorenzen right out there and see what he see what he's you know what can he do. Now, I could have told you that Lorenzen right isn't going to cut it. I mean, the guy just doesn't have anything left anymore. Um, but you know, he he tried it and he was going to see what worked. But now I think that what he's doing a really good job of is he's he shortened his bench. He has his guys. He knows what each guy can do, and he's really good right now at uh, mixing and matching his lineup to uh, counteract what the opponents are doing. Now I totally agree with what Rick was saying. Uh, the Cavaliers have to learn how to dictate their game. They're not doing that right now. They're being more adaptive to what their opponents are doing. And I just think this this team can be even better once they get that figured out. Rick asked, you know, how good can this team be? Well, right now, 
They're what they're second in the Eastern Conference in points per game, and they're fifth in points against per game. Um, they're second in the Eastern Conference in point differential. I mean, you know, and that's with this team isn't hitting on all cylinders yet. I mean, they're still the rebounding isn't where it needs to be. Um, you know, we haven't gotten consistency from Mo Williams and uh, Daniel Gibson yet, and I think you are going to see those guys get consistently better. Um, you know, it's kind of scary. This this team is looking pretty real right now. I'd have to agree, and you know, uh, when we think about the, the different combinations you were talking about, uh, the way that um, the way that Daniel Gibson and Mo Williams really sealed that game away when LeBron was on the bench last night was exciting. And, and uh, you got to take it with a grain of salt because the Nuggets don't play anything that resembles defense, but they were just slicing through the lane, you know, scoring at will, essentially. And um, that was exciting. And, and probably the most excited I got was when I saw um, LeBron's reaction to it. If you remember, the, you know, the cutaway of him on the bench and, and they call the timeout and, and the guys come over and he's just absolutely ecstatic and jumping up and chest bumping, um, you know, uh, chest bumping Booby Gibson and Mo Williams. Uh, that, to me, is exciting because LeBron looks like he's having fun playing with these guys and certainly more fun than uh, at any point so far in his career. And so I I agree. I think the sky's the limit with this team. Um, I think that this is a team that can give uh, the Bostons and, you know, whoever you want to to mention in that same breath uh, a run for their money. You know, I'm not saying, you know, that that definitely they're better, but uh, I think that there's no reason that they can't be the best as long as this team stays healthy. Um, You mentioned Mike Brown and, um, you know, the, the difference in his coaching. You got to ask the question. You know, what has happened to this team offensively? Is it Mike Brown? You know, we we, we kind of laughed about his hockey assist um, strategy last year, uh, but I wonder if that's just because they didn't have enough passers in the game. You know, with uh, with Mo Williams and um, and Delonte West West both on the floor at the same time, and LeBron allowing them to to bring the ball up the court and set up the offense. You know, LeBron moving without the ball and putting himself in scoring position. Uh, you know, is is this hockey assist offense now finally coming into its own, or, you know, did he make some other kind of adjustment? What do you think? Well, I, what, I, what I'll say about that is, I, I you know, the cop-out answer is to say it's a little bit of both, but it is a little bit of both. Um, you, having Mo Williams at the point guard, yeah, I, I, I can't believe how many people were writing off that move of the Cavaliers acquiring Mo Williams, and especially for giving up nothing for it. I mean, yes, losing uh, losing Smith hurts, but you know Damon Jones, good riddance. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, adding Mo Williams was huge for this team because he facilitates an offense. And you know, Delonte West is a fine ball handler, but he was not a facilitator, and that's the big difference. And Delonte West is coming into his own at the two. I mean, he's really starting to feel comfortable. You're starting to see him look for his shot. He's got he's developing that mid-range game a little bit, and I think that's making it easier. But the coaching is a little bit different too. This offense isn't exactly the same as last year for a couple reasons. And the one thing is, is last year they would always back themselves into the corner. The ball would go into one side, you know, the left or the right side, 
and the ball would stay there for the entire possession. They would never reverse to the other side of the court. And or, now you're seeing it would do reverse that. with one long pass. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have the LeBron, you know, yeah. jump cross court pass. Right. But now, now, how many times are we seeing them make the the second or even the third pass? swinging the ball around to the other side, and then there's motion on the back side yeah. of those reversals. And they're getting easy baskets out of that, and that, and that is coaching. Um, and, that and, that and is something know, Rocky, that they didn't try. That's dangerous, too, because everybody that touches the ball on its way around the arc is capable of hitting that shot. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. the difference. I mean, when, when you're not counting on, on a Ben Wallace or an Andy Verajal, you know, or, or Sasha Pavlovic, for, for that matter, you know, as part of that rotation to kick the ball. I mean, when you're taking it from the hands of, of Zadrunas or LeBron and kicking it to Delonte, who can make a three-pointer, and then he's passing it to, you know, to Mo Williams, who can make a three-pointer, before finally finding Gibson in the corner, you know, I mean, that's just deadly. Who, who do you stop covering, you know? Well, but and look at look at what kind of dividends it's paid for the guys who aren't used to scoring. You know, they're paying so much attention to Mo Williams and Delonte West and LeBron, of course, that these guys are, are backdoor cutting. You know, Verjao uh, uh, and and uh, and Ben Wallace are actually scoring those easy baskets mm-hmm. um, right inside the lane that they weren't able to get last year. Yeah, yeah. Verjao yeah, is just drooling over this offense right now because. He is being just left alone on those on those pick and rolls and on the reversals. They're leaving him alone for some reason, and I mean he is just feasting on the, the the way these teams are defending the Cavaliers right now. I mean, you know, last year he was just horrendous to watch Andy uh, on offense. He he kept trying to he get the ball out high and he try and take it to the hole himself. Well, now he doesn't need to do it with the ball in his hands. He's cutting without the ball, and the ball is finding his way into him underneath for an easy basket. And you know Andy's got to be loving this. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, um, and Zerbiak, too. You know, I've seen Zerbiak cut to the, to the basket a couple times, uh, uh, you know, and, and the guys are able to find it. it. It really is an exciting offense and, and something that we never – I don't know if we ever thought we'd be able to say under Mike Brown that we truly have an exciting offense. Um, yeah. What about let's talk about uh, let's talk about trade scenarios. You know, it's it's kind of the the elephant in the room all the time when you're talking about with the Cavs this year, um, because Wally Zerbiak, while I, I like w- the energy and and what he's trying to do for this team, he's he's not a 13 million dollar player, and you know the fact is his contract is potentially worth something. Uh, in the free agent market, and so you know, what do we see on the horizon? Do we think that they might, you know, stick with Wally? Do they think that they might look for something else? What what should they be looking for? Uh, let's let's start with Rock. Well, here's what I think is about Wally. I think Wally's doing the best he can right now, and uh, you know, I, I have been pleased with him more so than I was last year, anyways. But he. I, I really believe he's going to be traded because I just don't think he's going to be able to find playing time in the playoffs. I mean, if you want to look big picture down the road, when you get to the playoffs, your bench tends to shorten even more. And in the playoffs, Mike Brown is going to put a premium on his guys that can defend. And, you know, bless his heart for all of his effort, Wally cannot cover anybody. And so he's going to be a liability. That's that's just money sitting on the bench in the playoffs. So Danny Ferry is going to try to trade him. I, I really firmly believe that he's going to be looking for what, whatever he can get. Um, you know, he I, obviously I think his 
he, his first option would be to look for a power forward, um, somebody that can help with uh, get some low post scoring and some rebounding. That, that's what he's going to look for first. But if that's not out there, I wouldn't be surprised if he does maybe brings in a small forward or somebody like that if he thinks he can help the team more so than Wally Zerbiak's going to in the playoffs. I think, too, part of it might be what happens down the road as far as um, uh, you know injuries. Because um, while everything's clicking on all cylinders right now, it wouldn't take but you know one injury to kind of derail the offensive train, particularly when we're talking about the big men. You know, um, Andy really struggled coming back from his injury last year. Um, obviously, you know Ben Wallace has had injury issues the last couple of years. Zadrunas that hurt is, last night too. Yeah, well, yeah, the the contusion, um, which yeah. the word I've got is that it, it's nothing big, and he yeah, should be day fine. To day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with, uh, Zadrunas and, and his, you know, he's getting older and, and, you know, his foot history, you know, even though he's been able to, to stick it out and play most of the games and, and his back too, uh, with an injury to any of those big guys, you know, we could be looking at a little bit of trouble. And so I, I think that that, uh, if anything else might facilitate a need to trade Wally Zerbiak later on, um, you know, They've been talking all the time about, uh, um, you know, M- McDice and the possibility of the Cavs getting him with the mid-level exception. Don't know that he wants to sign with, with Cleveland. If I was him, I would certainly take a look at Cleveland over returning to the Pistons, um, but uh, not sure that they're going to be in the McDice sweepstakes. Uh, it, you know, when we played Milwaukee the other night, we had uh, floated around, uh, you know, a bunch of talk about, you know, possibly Michael Red, possibly some other guys on the the Bucks roster. Ironically, I don't think we really talked about Mo Williams too much. Um, but the one guy that that's on Milwaukee's roster that I think would help this team is Charlie Villanueva. I don't know why, but every time I watch him play, it seems like he he has an outstanding night offensively, and he's the the type of player that I think would be a great find. Now they're not going to be able to get Villanueva. Um, he's he's too young. He doesn't make you know too much money, and so uh, they're not going to be able to get Villanueva from from Milwaukee. But that's the type of player that I'd love to see us get. Yeah, I, yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the trade situations aren't even. It's like the LeBron speculation. It's just too far away to even know. I mean, you kind of have to watch those standings, see who never, never, which team never kind of gets any kind of a grasp on a winning streak of any kind. Mm-hmm. Who's got a lot of money just sitting out there, you know? So we don't we don't know, you know, who the, where the next Paul Gasol is going to come from, or or which team is going to all of a sudden realize that they just need to dump salary because they don't have to stand a chance this year. So we just I, I'm just going to keep watching the, the standings and dream about which guy I can pick up. The name that that came out the other day that that I hadn't heard before, and and you know, like you say, you never know when when the Paul Gasol is going to is going to come up. But the name that came out that I hadn't heard is Chris Kamen, and that uh, you know possibly the uh, possibly the Clippers w- would be interested in getting rid of of Kamen. You know, I don't know if that's how true that is, but uh, you know, Chris Kamen would be a guy that that I would certainly not mind adding to this roster. Yeah, uh, you know, Amar at Cavalier Attitude wrote about that uh, about that speculation, and but in his in his scenario, he had the Cavs trading Ilgowskis uh, for him, and I just I am not in favor of that. If that would, was going to be the case, but I mean. That's not going to happen. Danny Ferry is not going to trade Zdeno Um he, he, 
beyond just the personal reasons of them being, you know, such good friends. I, look, right now, Zdrzynas Ogowskis is the number two center in efficiency rating. Um, I just don't see the need of why you need to get rid of that. I think Ogowskis helps this team way more than he's hurting it right now. Um, but if you could work out something else where you bring in Cayman in addition to Ogowskis, then that's a very interesting uh, piece sure. that you're adding then. You know. Yeah, and and I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't want to to subtract any of the major pieces that are that are in our starting lineup to get you know again with the the idea of of Paul Gasol we're talking about a player that you know um, trying to uh, acquire a player for for not much although in fairness you know his his brother Marcus is, is having a pretty good season uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for Memphis and so you know even a guy that that you kind of give up on is is somebody that. Uh, you know that, that oftentimes comes back to haunt you. Um, real quick, I, I know we got to get out of here soon. Um, we were talking, uh, just IMing or whatever, back and forth about uh, JJ Hickson. What do you think his future is this year? And, and uh, you know, what about uh, his minutes? Do you see anything in his game that you like? Um, I, there's a lot that I like about his game. Um, and I, the one thing that I think I like the most is. From the first time I watched him play, um, you know, going back to summer league, he was absolutely clueless on defense. He had no idea what he was doing out there. Um, you saw it in the uh, preseason with the Cavaliers when he got in. He didn't understand Mike Brown's defense. He's getting better. You know, he's by no means a good defensive player yet, but at least he's showing improvement, and that shows that he is learning it and picking it up. Um, which will increase his minutes. Now, you're, you've seen the last couple of games. His minutes are going up now already. And I, I think some of that is because I think Mike Brown is frustrated with the rebounding of this team. Um, they're just, they are not rebounding very well right now, and I think he's trying to get Hickson in there to see if Hickson can uh, increase the rebounding. Um, offensively, I, you know, he's a, still a work in progress there too. I don't know that the team really trusts him that much yet. You see when he gets in, he is working hard. He's, uh, you know, posting up down low. But the guards don't really seem to be looking inside to him too much when he's out there. Um, so I think that's just the thing. It's just going to take time um, for the guards to get used to him and to start to trust him. But he shows he, he's got some skills. And when he gets in there, you know, he's, he's aggressive. His energy, you're never going to question his energy and hustle. Um, it's it's just a matter of time and him learning the pieces, but I think he can uh, get to the point that he he can have minutes on this team down the road. Good, good. Um, well, I think that about wraps up our time here. We uh, appreciate uh, you guys listening to us, and uh, uh, we promise to uh, to do better next time. And we hope that uh, you'll join us for another WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. My thanks to Rock and to Craig, and we will catch you later. Strike three called ball game. This has been the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. For complete coverage of the Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, and all your Cleveland teams, log on to WaitingForNextYear.com. Contact us on the Internet. Thank you, and good day. So...